storytelling can really help build a bridge between people and not between someone who's trying to buy and someone who's trying to sell them something. But it's actually a conversation between people who can interact with each other. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halpert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. Awesome. So today we're going to talk a little bit about storytelling, Rusty. I'm pretty stoked about it. Storytelling, I think, is huge when it comes to sales, sales development, marketing. We all need to build a story and tell a story. Let's start off with why story, in your opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny as everybody says you have to be able to have good storytelling skills. What exactly does that mean and why? And I would say that one of the primary reasons is the fact that it's not necessarily the product that you're selling. You know, there's this concept that the products sell themselves, but it's actually how you sell it. And when I say how you sell it, it's also how you're connecting with people. So people always say that relationships, you know, sales is all about relationships. Well, it's not about buying people lunch, right? And, and making friends and playing <laughs> golf, okay? That's yep. fun, but that's not really what a real relationship is. What we're talking about is true human connections. And what we're talking about is distinguishing yourself from a typical salesperson. So it's not just features, right? No, absolutely. Right? <laughs> absolutely. We got 3000%, you know, whatever the statistic is. This new energy drink has got 400% of the caffeine, which, you know, I can always appreciate, but that's not really what sells. It's making connections with people and particularly distinguishing yourself from being a salesperson. So remember this, there is a subconscious dislike of salespeople that people have. When somebody identifies that someone's a salesperson, they almost have an unnatural knee-jerk reaction to not want to talk to them. Like you're a salesperson, Ooh, they, they back off. Now I, I am a sales guy and I get nervous. Yeah, I, was, I go to the I go to the car lot and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just dreading it. Right, because sure they're going to walk up to you. You don't know how they're going to be. Yeah, yeah. Now sometimes you can have a great experience, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it feels really awkward and uncomfortable. And so as salespeople, we all have to deal with that. We have to realize that that's a natural psychology. And what's interesting is that storytelling can really help build a bridge between people and not between someone who's trying to buy and someone who's trying to sell them something. But it's actually a conversation between people who can interact with each other. And really the foundation of it is helping to establish trust and yeah. building trust between two people. Yeah, because you know, you always hear this phrase. So I'm going to ask you this, Ron. You always hear this phrase, how do you build a relationship of trust? Or, or they say, you need to build a relationship of trust. What does that even mean? What does it mean to build trust yeah. with someone? Uh, and, I, and I love that question overall. And, and one of my favorite speakers and authors answered that question. Um, Stephen Covey wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, The Eighth Habit, just started the company Franklin Covey here. We're in Utah for those listening. So he's kind of a big deal here because it was one of the bigger Utah companies at a time. He actually invented the day planner even. But someone asked him at a, at a conference and said, Stephen, how do you define trust? And he was talking about the whole BRT, building relationships of trust mm -hmm. in sales. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, as long as I've been teaching about this, no one's asked me how to define trust before. And he said, well, I guess I would define trust by sincerity 
and competence. If someone's sincere, I'm willing to listen to them or talk to them. If someone's sincere and competent, I'm willing to share goals, problems, and needs. Hmm. Now, later in a future book he wrote, he changed the word sincerity to character. And he talked about how you can fake sincerity, Mm -hmm. but you can't fake character. Now, Now, the difficulty is... How do I show that I'm of good character to someone I'm selling to that already thinks I'm slimy because I'm trying to sell them something, right? Yeah, because it's almost they're almost against you already. Yeah, like, they're, they're assuming that your character is bad because you're a salesperson. Exactly, exactly. And, and trust is a feeling. It's an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. So my ability to influence your emotional decision to trust me is very difficult, but it is possible. And there are some things when it comes to storytelling that you have to understand. And first and foremost, buyers don't like being told, right? They want the ability to opt in. And I want to give you an example of this, Rusty, really quick. I'm a big truck guy. I bought a GMC a few years back. I'm one guy. I'm a kind of guy that loves to do some research on it before I go and buy it. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I had two experiences. I went to the first dealership. I said, hey, this is what I want. The guy said, I have exactly what you need. Let's go on out. And on the way out, he said, Ron, you're going to love this truck. This truck is unbelievable. Let me tell you what you're going to love about it. Mm. You're going to love that it has black leather interior with red stitching. You're going to love that it already has a leveling kit. You're going to love that it already has a tunnel cover. It already has brand new rims and tires that just look amazing. Well, my second experience with the the second dealership, Mm -hmm. I went in, same situation. On the way out to look at the truck, the guy says to me, Hey, Ron, let me tell you, in talking to you and getting to know you, you remind me of someone else I've worked with. Let me tell you what they loved about this truck that they ended up buying the same model. They loved that it had black leather interior with red stitching. They loved that it had a leveling kit already on. It already had a tunnel cover. They loved that it had awesome rims and tires. Now, they said the same thing, Rusty. Yeah, exact same thing. Same verbiage, right? But the difference is subtle and massive at the same time. Because the first guy is telling me what I'm going to like. No one wants that. You don't know who I am. Right. We just met 15 minutes ago. You think you know what I want? Right. You know what I mean? But the second guy's telling me a story about someone that they've helped. And as a result, two things happen in my brain. First of all, I can opt in and say, you know what? I agree. I like this. And it's my choice to opt in. Second of all, how does he remember that? How does he remember what that person wanted, what that person needed, what they loved? He must care about them, Hmm. right? He must actually be of good character. So that is showing character. You're connecting with this person. I now know that he's of good character or believe that he's of good character because I know that he cares about his people that he's helping and selling to. Now, also in that story, it sounded like as he was describing the experience of this other person, that it also was evident that he was competent, Uh, that he also fully understood what he was selling and what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then gave you the option to opt in and then tied in another person that helped build that character. Correct. So you trusted him. Exactly. It's amazing. You know, it's interesting to think about the concept of people not liking to be told what to do. You know, people don't like to be sold to, but they love to buy. Yep. And the secret sauce that we want to put into that that phrase, because you're going to hear these cliches, but we're going to break them down. When we talk about the art and the science, we break down this cliche and say, people like to buy. They don't like to be sold. Do you know what they love to hear? They love to hear options. Mm -hmm. They love to hear 
this is what is typical. This is what experience has shown. This is what other people like to see. Now, what would you like to do? And by laying that out in a story, we're presenting a roadmap that a prospect or a customer can see. And we're laying it out in a competent fashion and allowing them to pick the path. And by doing that, it allows somebody to buy, not to be sold. 100%. 100%. And, and I will say this as well, like talking to salespeople over the course of my career, and we'll get into our stories in a minute because we want you to know who we are. But I will tell you that there is a way to tell the story. A lot of people are like, I'm the best storyteller there is, and they want to get creative with how they tell the story. But there's actually a rubric that you should follow when telling a story. And one of the best storytellers I know is Rusty. Just hearing Rusty tell stories and talk about who he's helped and how he's helped them throughout this podcast over the you know next year or so, you'll learn how amazing Rusty is when it comes to the art of telling a story. So Rusty, I'd love for you to get into the elements of a successful story and, and kind of explain to us what the elements are and kind of define them specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this would be familiar to a lot of people because I think that when you're in a literature class or if you're in a theater class, this framework is taught consistently in, in short story writing and in, in story writing. And this art form is something that has been passed down over generations and generations. For thousands of years, people have been telling stories and they've been doing it in a specific pattern that's very familiar to all of us that I think is important to continue to follow because it's, it's a great way of digesting information. This is a long-term art. And the way that a story moves is it moves in an arc. It's, it moves and it progresses by setting the right stage first. So it starts by having the setting. So you take the hero or the character, you set the story of when and where they were, and you, you do a setup where you can make a connection to this person or this individual or this situation. And often when you set the setting in a way that people can relate to, so they can see something that they could potentially relate to or grab onto, it helps them to start their imagination and it helps them to start making a connection to this individual. Then from there, we move into the challenge. So what are the, the struggles or vulnerabilities? What is the resistance or the challenge that they were experiencing as they started to move down their path? And then we move to the climax or the turning point. How did this challenge come to a point where something had to change or something did change? What caused that person to have an aha moment or what was the light bulb moment that facilitated change? Because it's so interesting in our human lives, it usually takes an event, a climax, a culmination, some kind of pressure to change the way that we think or to cause us to want to change. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's big and we can all relate to that. And so when we can point to that point of that turning point and that change and then the resolution, what happened after that climax or that, or that turning point and where did it go? So you have the setting, you create a relatable story around a character that everybody can relate to. We explain the challenges and struggles that they face. We then talk about what drove change and then what the results of that change was. You know, I always use examples when I teach this to my teams. And Disney 
is fantastic telling stories, right? Hundreds of billions of dollars made yes. just from telling stories. And oftentimes I go through this story arc with my team and I actually have them choose a, a movie for me. I never let them choose Toy Story 3 because that makes me cry. And that's just <laughs> embarrassing in front of, you know, in front it makes of you cry. Oh, of course. You know, cry. Yeah, okay. You know, Toy Story 3, you know, tears me up every time. But you can choose any Disney movie out there. Any. <laughs> okay. Sorry. And that's it follows weird. this exact story arc. Right. right. Yes, they do. Did right. you, can, you can't tell me you don't cry as Toy Story I, 3. Rusty. I don't think I've, I don't cry. Rusty, you're killing. I haven't cried. You, since you don't was... have a heart if you don't cry during Toy Story three. I, I feel. Like... I think most listeners are going to agree with me on this. So I, I feel um, like crying. I just don't. <laughs> Is that count? There are no tears that Rusty has in his eyes, guys. Okay, yeah. that's important to know. So you know, beyond how to tell a story, I often am asked what stories should be told. Yes, you know, because there there are actually three types of stories that should be told in a sales process. Okay. And, and I want to kind of get into each of them and, and define each of them. The first one is who am I? And, and it doesn't just mean who are you? Like I'm an AE for XYZ Corp, right? It's actually deeper. Who are you at a deep level? Yeah, because people don't want to hear, hey, I'm, I'm a salesperson that works at this company. I'm here to sell you. They, they yep. need to know, they need to be able to make a connection to you as a human. 100%. And they need to believe ultimately that they are like you because people like people like themselves. Mm -hmm. If I believe that you and I are similar, I'm going to trust you more. And if I trust you more, I'm more likely to buy from you. Now, one, one of the biggest tricks, everybody always says like, what's the one of the biggest tricks to uh, changing the stereotype people believe about you? And I'll tell you the first and foremost, be ethical first. <laughs> right. Just actually be of good character. Yeah. So let's start with that. You know, like don't try and screw people. Don't try and, and steal their money. Don't try and hurt anyone around you. Cut you corners, can actually, don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Here's the thing, dude. You can make millions and millions and millions of dollars in an ethical way. Or you can make it in an unethical way. Right. The choice is yours. Right. Why not choose the ethical way? One of them is lasting and the other is not. Correct. So who am I is the first story we would tell. The next type of story is who I represent, right? This should be the story of your company. Now, this doesn't mean just sit down and say, this is our revenue numbers. This is uh, our growth over year over year. This is how many employees we have. Yes. It's yes. not just a bunch of bullet points defining your company. It's actually how did your company come to exist? in the world. Right. What problems were they trying to solve? And then over time, how did they evolve to where they are today? The company, I say they, it's the company. And then ultimately, where are you going? Because if I'm in a partner with you, if I'm mm -hmm. in a business to business setting of sales here, if I'm in a partner with you in your business, I need to know those three things. Where did you come from? How did you get to where you are today? And where are you going in the future, right? So your story needs to encompass those three things as you tell it. Yeah, and every, and every company has really these great stories that start with people, people that mm -hmm. had struggles, people that got to a point where they were able to make a difference and then they've become what they are today. And they don't, people don't want to just hear what you are today. They want to hear where that came from. And this is a company that you stand behind. You got to have pride in. Yeah. And they've got great stories. I mean, you don't become a, a, a substantial company without some struggle and difficulty. I mean, it doesn't just happen. 
No, I mean, you, you think about like, even <laughs> what's interesting is hundreds of millions of dollars have been made on movies about how businesses were made. Right. You know, I talk about like Apple, for example, right? right. And, and everyone loves to, to hear it started in a garage. Right. They do. They love that. They love to hear the whole story. And in truth, I want to partner with someone and with a group of people and a company that started from the bottom, moved their way up to success, and they're going to continue to kick butt moving forward. That's the partnership I want to have. We started from the bottom. Now we hit. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and right. so the whole crew's here, right? The whole, the whole company. Yes. And so, you know, we have who am I, who I represent. And the third type of story is actually hundreds of stories. It is who I've helped. It's yes. all of the people that you've helped. Now, every feature, functionality, problem solved that your product provides. If you're selling pest control and you can get rid of the bugs, mm -hmm. the spiders, whatever your problem is, you need to have a story that comes with it and how you've helped someone accomplish that goal. And you've got to find the best ones. Mm -hmm. and, and your company would not be where it is unless it had great stories to be told. You've got to find them. They're there. I mean, honestly, you go to the website. I mean, if you're a sales rep listening to this podcast right now, go to your own company's website. There's probably a testimonials page. Go listen to the testimonials. You just learned a bunch of stories about problems your company solved for them. And now you can retell those stories moving forward in your own words. And it'll actually help build trust in you and character for you because you know, it's, it's the royal I, I mentioned to my employees all the time. I said, you can use the royal we, where you're saying we as in the company instead of just you yourself, right? So as a company, if you've solved problems, awesome. Yeah. Now you can tell that story and help other people solve the same problems moving forward. So Ron, I would think it would be a good time now to kind of start in on a couple of stories. Mm -hmm. And I would actually love to hear the who am I story of Ron Halbert. Now, of course, I've heard it. I've seen it. I mean, you and I have been working together for what, 15 years? I think we've known each other for almost 20 years. Now. Yes, yes. The same amount of time. So, Which is, which is awesome. But I want to I hear the who am I story of Ronald Ward Halbert III. Yeah, so, so this story, I'll, I'll kind of tell you. And I tell a lot of uh, my colleagues this at work and, and mainly because I want them to know who I am and I want to know who they are. But this story will actually begin before I met you, Rusty. So we'll go all the way back to 10 years old, briefly. Mm -hmm. Growing up like most people, my dad was my hero, right? I have heroes and my dad, my grandpa, my mom. I have great parents. My dad was a teacher and a football coach. And, and I remember being 10 years old and talking to one of his student athletes and believing my dad is a hero and then coming to this confirmation that I was right. He is a hero. And that is when one of his students told me that there was a point in time that they had planned on committing suicide. And something that my dad told them or talked to them about stopped them from killing themselves. Wow. And I remember thinking, he is a hero. I want to make the same difference he makes. I want to have the same impact on people as he makes every single day. And I see it even today. He's still a coach today, a high school football coach. He's at West Jordan High School here in Utah. And he makes a difference in people. And, and that's what I wanted to do. So I planned on being a teacher and a coach. Now, fast forward to college. Um, I met my amazing wife, who you guys will probably hear a lot about because she's fantastic. 
and she was pregnant with our first child and we were talking about our future and I was about to quit my job to go do student teaching. And at the time we had this discussion where she said she wanted to be a stay at home mom while the kids were young. And I came to this realization that if I chose to be a teacher, I'm never going to be able to own a home. I'm never going to be able to let my kids be in all the sports and do all the different things that I knew that they were going to want to do. We're not going to be able to travel and enjoy any of the finer things in life. And I came to this realization, I can't be a teacher yet. And it was sad. I was devastated, frankly. But luckily, I had been doing door-to-door sales for several years and I knew that I was good at sales. And so I decided to start to abandon being a teacher for now and start a company with, with Rusty here, who's part of this group. So he's a part of my story. And we started a lawn care pest control company together. Now we had a, a heck of a time getting going with this lawn care and pest control company. Lots of problems throughout. But one of the things that happened is uh, a couple of years into this company, we both had other jobs and we were working out of a barn in Rusty's backyard, actually. And one night he brings in a check. It's like his first big commission check from being an AE working for a software company. And he, he shows me this check and I won't say how much it was because he's here and I don't want to <laughs> embarrass him, but it was more money than we were going to make in like three, four years of this lawn care company for the first three or four years. And, and Rusty said, you know what? We need to abandon this and I need to focus on software. And I said, Rusty, I'm in. I agree to sell this company, but you need to get me a job. Um, and that's when yeah. Rusty got me a job as a sales developer at a software company where, where I was for about 10 years until recently, actually. And during my time there, I became a top rep. I became a team lead. I became a manager. I became a director running a, a team globally of about 120 people and finding a lot of success. And let me tell you something, Rusty. One of the coolest things about this story is the resolution because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what the resolution is, Rusty. Nine years from now, when I'm 45... I will retire from this career and I will go become a teacher and a coach. Mark my words. Yes. Right. And when that happens, Rusty's promised to uh, bring me an apple to the local high school <laughs> and an apple uh, a day, an apple a day. He's going he's to come say hello. But that's, that's, that's not uh, an example of a who am I story. It's a true story. And, and the thing about who am I stories is you have to be willing to open up a little bit. You have to be willing to become a little bit real and raw with people and tell them something personal about yourself. Now, don't get too crazy. We don't need to hear deep, dark secrets, right? But when you do that, the person you're telling your story to, they're going to draw a parallel between their life and yours. Right. They're going to connect. They're going to connect. To you. Yeah. And that parallel they draw is them believing that they are like you. And as a result, they will like you. Right. That is real human connection. We all want it, Rusty. Psychologically, we all want this human connection. Proof is in the pudding, right? We do, yes. We all get married. You know, not everybody, but most, a lot of people get married, which is crazy because you're literally attaching yourself for, for life to someone that was raised differently than you, has some different opinions. And we do it because of this thing called love. Yeah. We love each other. You know, but we all want this human connection, not just in love, but also with colleagues, with friends. That's what we we strive for. You know what's fascinating about that is when you hear stories and when people get together and they start telling stories, is this urge and the psychology that you have to share your own story. Mm-hmm. Whenever you hear a story, you want to share. You start wanting to collaborate, interact, and, and share. 
because there's that natural desire for human connection. That's why the tradition of storytelling is so powerful. And that's why it's really powerful enough to help break down barriers between you and the people that you're trying to do business with. Yep. And I specifically did not say people you're selling to. I said people that you're trying to do business with and people that you're trying to help. Yep. And it helps break down those barriers. It's it's fascinating. And, and a lot of people have said like, oh, Ron, that seems like a long story to tell. It seems like, you know, do I want to open up like that to my clients? And I will tell you that like, you have to do what feels right mm-hmm. from a time perspective. You have to do what feels right as you far as your story. It. Yeah. So you're not telling the exact same story to every person that you talk to. I've lived a long life. They were right. You know what right. I mean? Like there's a lot of, there's Lots a lot of, of stories dimensions. that have made me who I am today. Right. Yes. So that is one story. But depending on who I'm talking to and what environment I'm in, I can tell, you know, multiple types of stories. Now, with that, that is the who am I story. And that's going to build the connections. That's going to build some trust. And I'm going to tell you this as well. I better mention this. This is not just for clients. This is for to tell your boss. This is to tell your colleagues. Yes. This is to tell if you have employees. This is to tell your employees. employees. You need people that you work with to know who you are. You need to have connections with those people. Because they need to trust you. Yeah. And and you want to have the connection. It's not manipulation. It's just truly wanting to connect with people that you work with. It's okay. It's okay to want that. Now, the, the other types of stories, the who I represent, that's building connections between your company and their company. Or if you're selling to a person, it's between your services and their needs, right? That's what you're ultimately building a bridge between. And then you have the who I've helped stories, right? And this is like similarly to the truck story I told earlier, you know, this person's telling me of someone else that they helped and in so doing, they're building this bridge overall. So I think maybe what we should do then is, is how about I do a who I represent story? Let's talk about the sales prescription. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we share just a couple of quick who we've helped stories, Love it. which I think would be great. So let's talk about the sales prescription. So as a young man and as somebody who is very ambitious, I had a tough time growing up, but I had a lot of ambition for what I could do in the future. I thought I could change the trajectory of my life, my future family. I felt like I could really change the trajectory of, of where I was going and what was happening and truly make a difference in the world. I sat in elementary school classes And I would actually listen to my teachers and I would listen to people say, you could be anything you want to be. You can make a difference. I believed them, but I lived in a life that was, it was tough. I grew Mm -hmm. up in a real tough situation, but as I kind of grew up, I had this ambition that I wanted to be successful. And as, as you had talked about, I, I found success. I found a calling selling software, building sales organizations, leading people. And that ambition led me to work many, 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 many hours harder than, than anyone that was next to me. I had this thing that, you know, if somebody's sitting next to me, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more, work harder, do more. And as I, as I did that, as I, as I found success, I kept trying to build upon that success. And I became obsessed with these objectives and these goals that I had to get what I wanted to get out of life. And as I did that, I learned a very powerful lesson because by the time I was 32, I had actually achieved every objective that I had set for myself as someone who is graduating high school, getting into college. I set every objective, every goal. I wanted to be a senior leader. I wanted to be very successful financially. I wanted to have all these goals. And I remember actually the day that I achieved all of those goals. And I looked back and I was expecting a welling of pride 
about the things that I had done. And it wasn't there. It wasn't there. And when I look back, you know what I thought was so amazing and so powerful was the changes that people had made in their lives, the success that they were able to have, the goals that other people were able to achieve, the things that that we were able to do in collaborating and working together and seeing other people succeed. That is what actually gave me pride and happiness. And what I began to realize is it's not about money, that money doesn't make you happy. It is people. It is human connection. It is the success of other people. And when I look back, I also saw that all the mentors that helped me along the way, that taught me some life lessons that I was able to take and apply, that got me where I wanted to go, that's also what made them happy. It wasn't their money and their success either. And so this whole concept around the sales prescription and this company that we're building here and this information we're trying to share, it's all about taking what we know, myself, Ron, the things that we've had in our lives, the success we've had, be able to take the things we know to share it, to help other people to achieve the same and more. Because when we look back at the, this kind of trail of disaster that I'm, that I'm creating, right? <laughs> What's in your wake? Is it a bunch of successful people that are creating wakes of their own and building other people? Or is it just a trail of disaster where you're the only person standing? Yep. And I can tell you and everybody that's listening to this, there is a step beyond your success, which is to help others do the same. That's what this, this organization is all about. And that's what our purpose is, is to help you to achieve these things and to build a great tree and a great wake behind you. Agreed. And one of my favorite quotes that one of my leaders used to say was, if we're going to make a multi-billion dollar company, we're going to make a lot of millionaires along the way. <laughs> right? Right. And, uh, and, and honestly, I can say, like I can speak for Rusty here so that he doesn't sound prideful in speaking of himself, but Rusty's made a lot of millionaires. He's helped a lot of people get to that point in their lives where they've been able to become debt-free. They've been able to have financial freedom, accomplish some big personal life goals. Another aspect that came about from this was me leaving the company where we worked together for the last 10 years. And Rusty and I were talking, we need to keep working together. We need to have something. We need to keep helping people together because we found a lot of success working together. And we felt, you know what? Let's do this. Let's let's do something where we can help people on a broader, more grander scale. So that's kind of the ultimate goal behind yeah. the sales prescription. Absolutely. Now, as far as like that's an ideal type of story when it comes to who I represent. So we're speaking as representing the sales prescription, right? Talking about that specifically. You're going to have a story talking about whatever company you represent. Right. And it needs to be the company story. It needs to sound very similar to how Rusty just presented the sales prescription, where people can emotionally connect to it. People can say, you know what? That's the kind of company I want to partner with. Yep. That's the kind of company I want to deal with and do business with. And your company's got that story. Mm -hmm. It has that passion. You just have to dig it up. You do. And you may need to ask some founders and some CEOs and mm -hmm. talk to some marketers that, that are really good with storytelling to help you kind of put that together. But it is there. You just have to find it. And then the last story of who I've helped, right? This is hundreds of stories, like I said earlier, that revolve around all of the people that your company has helped in whatever you sell. Whatever it is that you sell, you've helped people in different ways, whether it's, it's saving them time, it's saving them money, you know, whatever it is. There's just a lot of those out there. So you need to know a bunch of those. When it comes to the sales prescription, we can talk about who we've helped in terms of people. 
that we've helped because that's mm-hmm. the ultimate goal behind the sales prescription, right? Is who have we helped become millionaires or who have we helped become successful financially and, and in the business world and great salespeople all around. And we, we have a lot of stories around those, you know, and I don't know, Rusty, if you want me to kind of tell one of those, maybe we can both tell one, you know, off the top of my head here, I'll probably mention, and I'll have to ask, and hopefully he's cool with me mentioning his name here, but I'll probably mention Paul Voorhees. Okay. Okay. I'll go with him. Why not? You know, Paul Voorhees, awesome guy, loved working with him. So when I first became a manager, it's a challenge to first become a manager when you're an internal promotion, because you are now becoming your peers leader, which can be a bit awkward. Right. And with Paul becoming, you know, becoming his leader, I just remember walking in and I don't think he'll have a problem with me saying this, but he, he was failing. He was not doing well. And sitting down with him and looking at his pipeline and coming to the realization, and we'll talk about this in a later podcast, but I have a very strong opinion around why sales developers fail. This is a sales development role and it's either effort or organization. And Paul is one of the hardest working people you've ever met in your life. He makes all the dials in the world and it was 100% his organization going through his pipeline and digging it up and realizing, wow, this guy is so unorganized in what he's doing and making some minor changes inside of our CRM platform so that he could be more structured and more organized and watching him go from on a plan to top performer and promoted inside of one year. That is when I knew this was for me. Leadership was for me. Yeah. And, you know, and just like you said, the sense of pride around helping him get to that point just, and, and what's crazy is a lot of times when you're working with people that are hard workers and they're failing, it's not a complicated thing that they need to fix. It's not rocket science here, right? It's, it's something very basic and that's what it was for Paul, but helping him do that and then watching him advance his career and eventually running sales development organizations himself was a fantastic feeling for me. And it's not all on me. I know that because he's the one that put in the work, but being kind of the person to originally identify the problem and help him overcome what he overcame and ultimately move up in his career. That was kind of my first project as running a a sales development organization. And, you know, I love Paul, still talk to him all the time, but fantastic person and just overall been very successful in his career since then. I know, Rusty, you've helped a lot of people, including me, but other people as well. Maybe you can kind of give us a story of, of someone that you've helped if you can narrow it down to, uh, <laughs> to one of those people. You know, something that really comes to mind for me is a story about a calculus teacher. <laughs> so there's an individual who is a calculus teacher. His name's William Ash. Another one we love. We love him. And he became a teacher because his father taught English, math, and actually was a principal at a high school. And was an incredible man, incredible individual. And he wanted to be like his father. And he wanted to make a difference and be able to help kids and to really do something that was noble that made a difference. Ron, it's not a lot unlike uh, some of your ambitions of what you want yep, to do, yep. what you're going to be able to do. Will and I have talked about it. We're both, we both have the goal to retire and do that. You know, oh, It's fantastic. And, and one of the things that was a struggle is when you start out as a teacher, um, the pay is very low, you know, particularly where, where we live here in Utah. And it's very difficult to build a support a family, but he tried to do it. Mm-hmm. And he's did it for years, several years. And with a couple of children, his wife at home uh, ended up having to live in his parents' basement as they were kind of working to try to make ends meet, to try to get out of there. 
know, he li- they literally shared a room. The children were in a loft bed above his bed and they were literally in a room trying to, to make ends meet. He takes on an additional job. So as a teacher, takes on an additional job working as a pharmacy technician at Walmart, 80 hours a week to try to support his family and just not getting where he needs to go. And it got to a point where it was a breaking point. You know, I'm, I'm fighting for my family. I'm doing everything I can. I have a noble profession, but I can't even spend time with them. And there's nothing around the horizon that's going to make that difference. And I remember having multiple conversations with William and saying, listen, what you're doing is noble. It's fantastic. But let me provide you an opportunity. You know, come and take a look at, at the opportunity to come work actually with Ron and look at joining our organization and getting into sales. And I know it's not the same kind of profession. It's not the same kind of impact, but it'll give you a pathway to be able to provide for your family. And he came in. I mean, you imagine somebody's a calculus teacher, very intelligent, great social skills at the same time. And he did well. He performed really well. And he came in with the energy of that 80 hours a week and put it all into that job and was successful. In fact, he'd been promoted four different times to the point now where he's actually a director of sales development, running an entire organization, doing a tremendous job and making an impact on many people's lives. And he's kept the interest of calculus up because he tutors some of those that are sales developers that have entry-level positions that are still getting degrees. He helps tutor them so that they can be able to get degrees and be able to put that up on the wall and have that achievement in their lives. It's a fantastic, fantastic situation. And it's somebody I'm very proud of. So it's an amazing person to know. Yep. Now, I absolutely love who I've helped stories, right? I think that they are some of the most fun conversations that you'll have as a salesperson or a leader or an employee, even just with, with other people. In fact, you'll discover that you'll have these types of conversations even at the water cooler, talking about people that you've helped when working with clients. It's important to know when to tell those stories and how to tell those stories. Make sure that you follow the pattern that Rusty talked about earlier. And my commitment here is that I know I've seen this for so long now. Storytelling works. I promise it works. It does. This is not like some sales gimmicky idea or, you know, I've seen so many people like, oh, if you do this in sales, you're going to close a million deals. Storytelling works. And the reason that it works comes down to something very basic and, and at its core, which is human connection. Develop real, honest relationships with the people that you want to work with. Develop them. I promise you'll be happier as a person because human connection is what brings joy to all of us, right? So you're not only going to win more deals, but you're also going to be happier doing it. You're also going to bring more positivity and happiness to the people that you're working with by telling these stories, because these are fun stories, winning stories of who you've helped. And the resolution is always a positive thing, right? Yep. Solves a lot of problems. So that's storytelling. That's kind of the first kickoff of this podcast series that we have. We really hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to it. Go practice your stories. Go write down your who am I story right now. Go listen to mine again and then write it down and make sure that you're ready and prepared to tell that story. And then also the who you represent story. Make sure that's written down. All of the who I've helped stories, you need to start compiling those if you want to be successful. And remember to listen to us on anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. You want to see it on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, 
on Apple, iTunes. We are everywhere and we're happy to share with you. Please come to the next episodes. Contact us through LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with us. We're happy to help you. We're happy to help you develop organizations to help you understand what you need to do to be successful, both as individuals and also in building sales and sales from organizations. We're happy to connect. Just reach out to us and we'll help you. Thank you for taking the time and we'll talk later. Thanks. Bye. See you guys.